Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Wake him up, get him up, get him going. It is Tuesday on Hook Him Up with Ian Rod B. Our five-hour morning-by-morning conversation starts right now on this 12th of December. We have a lot to do. We've got a wild finish on Monday Night Football last night. Looked like a doubleheader dud of matchups, but, man, turned into a couple of very compelling wild finishes and a couple of upsets, one of them more stunning than the other, but both into the upset vernacular and the legend of Tommy DeVito continues to grow. Maybe the young legend of Will Levis uh, with the Tennessee Titans. Get your details on those games and the uh, wrap-up to Week 14 in the National Football League. Patrick Mahomes apologizing for his outburst at the officiating and the officials after the Chiefs lost to the Bills on Sunday. Cowboys now eyeing a trip to Buffalo to play the Bills. We'll get into that. Obviously a lot of college football as well. Longhorns uh, prepping now 20 days to the uh, showdown game with Washington in the college football playoff semifinals at the Sugar Bowl. Get the very latest on that. Rod will take us behind the burn orange curtain. We've got a uh, lot to do. A plot twist in the signing of Shohei Otani by the L.A. Dodgers to a decade-long deal. We'll get you details there as well. Busy night in the NBA. So we're jammed on this Tuesday, 11, uh, 12 December. We appreciate you being there wherever you find us. Maybe on 101.9 FM if you're on AM. Could be AM 1260. Certainly the growing numbers of our Horn app. Appreciate you being there as well. Just download that Horn app to your smartphone. Listen to us wherever you are, wherever you go. All over the 512, all over the great state, and all over the world with that Horn app. And also at hornfm.com. Look who it is across the desk. He is our shutdown corner. Five hours a day, five days a week. Holding on his side of the show on a very high level. From the 713 and DB High down there at Lamar High School. Also from the 512. Started for four years at Texas. A lifetime Longhorn here in the 512. He's also... Uh, four years in the NFL, 16 years doing media and great radio here in Austin, Texas. Now with us every single morning, he is the football theorist, Blackster Thomas, proud pop of Baby Monroe. He is Rod Babers. What's up, RB? Doing good, brother. Appreciate the intro and the hospitality as always. I uh, want to start the show off like we always do, giving a shout-out to those who serve uh, each and every morning. They're up early with us. It's an honor, but also a burden, so we appreciate all those who serve our society built on the selflessness of service. So all those uh, soldiers, first responders, officers of the law, teachers, nurses, uh, all of you out there can't name all the professions and can't name all of you, but we want you to know that you're top of mind and we appreciate you. Yeah, someone who's more concerned about the happiness and well-being of another than maybe about their own convenience and comfort is a good thing, right? We appreciate them each and every day. Yes, uh, however that is, uh, if you're up and out early with us and uh, first responders all the way through our medical fields and uh, people working all night, you know what I mean? No doubt. We had our, Monday, we had our Monday garbage pickup here in the, uh, mm-hmm. the OC uh, yesterday morning and uh, afternoon. So thanks to those who are up and out doing it uh, for us, and we appreciate it each and every day. Uh, it's going to be a good show, Rob. We've got a lot to do. How about these Monday night football games turned into good games? Turn into good games. Turn into good games. I did not see that coming. No. I'm ready to be snooze fest. Turn into be. These are professionals. They're professionals, man. Uh, You know, at this point in the season, you know, guys got a lot of reps. You know, even though you got backup quarterbacks playing and you got young guy, young quarterbacks playing, you know, these guys find ways to play well in clutch time. Yeah. I mean, uh, I talked yesterday about all the football I watched on Sunday and just uh, stuff you don't. I mean, we saw 3 nothing finish. We saw craziness and we saw a receiver line up off sides that cost his team a win i mean just crazy stuff you just, I mean, you just don't see games and then oh. last night you see the tennessee titans try to give the game away and then come back and snatch it back and the miami dolphins looking nothing like a team that has any interest in being the top seed in the afc and maybe you know being a real contender now that's one game snapshot but at the same time Vic Fangio's got to be pretty upset about his defense down in Miami. Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito. I was watching the uh, Manning brothers. Love that, man. uh, Peyton and Eli. And, of course, Eli's a big Giants fan, so he's rooting for the Giants. 
and they had Kirk Cousins on there in that game when Tommy DeVito is growing his legend, and it was pretty good, pretty good television. Oh, no doubt. And I, I got to figure out because I heard the the show previous stars running with this moniker. They're calling him Tommy Cutlets. Tommy, well, that's just because his family was giving away cutlets. Oh, they were giving away chicken cutlets? They are giving away chicken. Apparently, yeah, that was a thing for them. They were I didn't giving, hear this story. Yeah, okay, so I don't know. Man. It, it, it's like a folklore and legend. I keep up with the Giants because I was a former Giant myself, so I got a lot of Giant stuff on my timeline. So apparently his, his family uh, gave out, like, some chicken cutlets while they were, they were tailgating. So part of their tailgate is they would give it away different like chicken cutlets and stuff like that, like whatever. They were cooking them their own style. It was it, it's a weird little story, trust me. I I don't know, I just picked up on Tommy all my time Cutlets. Line. He's still living with so his parents, they, so correct? They called him Tommy Cut Yeah, and his parents and all his family always going to the games. His agent was at the game. I saw agent, he looks like uh he looks like Don he should Corleone. be on Sopranos or yeah. something, yeah, like character on the Sopranos. So oh and now they got the uh the hand gesture. <laughs> like kind of the Italian hand gesture now as their like unofficial uh hand sign to I love celebrate it. Tommy DeVito. Oh, it's a great story. This is this is one of those organic stories that's a cool storyline in the NFL. You're right. I mean, it's, it's it is. with his parents. Well, you can't make this stuff up. You couldn't. You couldn't write this kind of stuff for the NFL. I mean, he's a sort of former Syracuse guy. He's living with his parents. He's making, like, <laughs> nickels on the dollar as far as an NFL quarterback makes as an undrafted rookie. Fans have given up on the season. Like, ah, we're going to suck. It's okay. They're like, hey, who is this kid? <laughs> and, and there are players talking about how he's got to get you know, get out of his parents' house. He's like, man, I can't afford to. I'm living in New York. Like, you lived in New York. It's expensive. I didn't know I was going to make this damn team. Yeah. You know I mean? He's like, no, bro. I can get cut tomorrow. Man, buying a could, house. If I could live with my parents when I got drafted by Giants, I'd have done it, too. Yeah, it probably is expensive now. You see, you see what uh, Brock Purdy's doing down there in San Fran? It's expensive down there. What he's got? He got a roommate. Yes. Starting quarterback in the NFL. Might win MVP. Roommate. I guarantee he'll be the first Rent MVP. high, bro. <laughs> yes, exactly. Struggle is real. Hey, Austin, y'all know it. Y'all know how it is, man. True. It's yeah, like man. that in ATX. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. It's the taxes in California and oh, New York. Good man. night. Come on. You got to live at mom's house. Ah, be low. As low as you <laughs> As long as you can. Hey, I don't, ain't no shame in that, folks. Ain't no shame hey, in it. Uh, Take that hospitality, man. Because, again, he's, Save a, the money. he's an NFL quarterback, but who knows if he's going to be an NFL quarterback beyond this year. I mean, he could be exactly. He could be going to be going to a job in service here coming up. I'm with you, man. Uh, but he, he grew the legend. Let's get to the headlines. If you went to bed and didn't see the end of these games, let's get you caught up on how it went. It was wild last night. Also, some college football. Wow. Let's get you the top stories on a Tuesday. Starting the NFL, yeah, double upsets on last night's doubleheader of Monday Night Football. In New Jersey, we mentioned the legend of Tommy DeVito continues to grow after Jordan Love's six-yard touchdown pass put Green Bay up 22-21 with a minute 30 left. The Giants' undrafted rookie took the G-man on a 54-yard seven-play drive that set up Randy Bullock's 37-yard field goal as time expired. G-men stunned the Packers 24-22. Equally wild finish, an even bigger upset in Miami where Tennessee Titans rookie, their quarterback Will Levis, directed two drives in the final four minutes of the game to lead the Titans to a stunning 28-27 win over the Dolphins. The improbable comeback occurred after two terrible Tennessee turnovers led to a pair of Raheem Mostert touchdown runs that put Miami up and seemingly in control 27-13 with 4.34 to go. But back-to-back drives, no defense by the Dolphins, and the loss drops the Dolphins to 9-4, a full game back of Baltimore in the AFC. Uh, college football, if you were watching at halftime of the doubleheader last night, in advance of tomorrow night's full 2024 schedule reveal, the Southeastern Conference dropped a sneak peek uh, during the doubleheader last night. Two high-level matchups were officially given dates by the conference, including Texas and their showdown here in Austin with Georgia, the Bulldogs, next uh, October. That has been officially announced as an October 19th game. We had previously predicted that, and it will come a week after Texas and Oklahoma square off at the Cotton Bowl for the first time as members of the SEC. Conference also announced last night that Oklahoma's meeting with Alabama in Norman has been set for November 23rd. Full conference schedule reveal coming out tomorrow night, 6 o'clock on ESPN and SEC Network. Also coming up tomorrow, one of the Longhorns' top remaining 2024 recruiting targets will announce his school of choice. Waco Connolly five-star cornerback Kobe Black will make his call tomorrow afternoon at his high school. Texas is considered the favorite by many insiders. UT defensive backs coach Terry Joseph made an in-home visit with Black and his family last night. Also from college football, TCU has moved quickly to hire their new defensive coordinator after abruptly moving on from Joe Gillespie on Sunday. Yesterday, Sonny Dykes and the Frogs hired Andy Avalos as its defensive coordinator. Avalos' hiring comes a month after he was fired by Boise State as their head coach amid his third season, despite a 22-14 overall record with that program. NBA last night, busy schedule. Luka Doncic dropped 35. Derek Lively had 16-16 and 16 to lead the Mavericks past Memphis 120-113. to 113. And down in Houston, the Rockets extended 
the Spurs' losing streak to 17 games with a 93-82 win. The 17th straight loss is a franchise record for San Antonio. Their last win came on November 2nd. And finally, quite the plot twist within the L.A. Dodgers signing of two-way superstar Shohei Otani was revealed yesterday. Otani agreed to that record 10-year, $700 million deal on Saturday, but a closer look indicates the DH and pitcher will defer $68 million of the $70 million each season until the completion of the contract, meaning he will earn about $2 million per year for the decade. The massive sum of money deferred was suggested by Otani to give the Dodgers roster flexibility. Otani will receive the full value of the contract without interest from 2034 to 2043. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Don't be a ho-ho-ho. Bring anything on Foster Village's Amazon wish list on our Facebook page and get up to 20% off your rental or purchase. Topgun.net, we'll shoot you straight. Uh, just about that Shohei Otani contract yeah. and the fact that he suggested it, it's brilliant because, I mean, I, like I said, I don't know, he, he could just end up living in L.A., but if he doesn't live in California and he lives somewhere with some um, some – more, I would say, friendlier tax codes yes. for a a player or at least anybody, all right, who is wealthy, making that kind of money, even like a, a state like Texas. I I think he's gonna save himself a lot of money, a lot of money on the back end, back end, With and the he'll taxes, get the money and then he's like a at, ton of it. Oh, this is a brilliant move because it also you know frees up the Dodgers to not be you know strained by the luxury tax because they've already got yeah. Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts locked up on big deals. They need more pitching, and so he's gonna make two million a year, right? And that'll be taxed. The, at the California U.S. Yeah. rate, yeah, the sixty-eight million that he is deferring will not be. Yeah, he will collect that wherever yeah. his address so is. Exa- whenever he does to retire, whatever that, that ten-year span. Correct. That's crazy. Correct. That's awesome. So he'll, he'll begin collecting oh, that ten years from now. That is great. But he's also Shohei, good business mind, along with his advisors. He's also scheduled to make you know fifty, sixty million a year in, in endorsements. Yeah, he's good global endorsements yeah. that he will do. So he's going to make plenty of money. It's kind of why Brady gave the discount to the Patriots sure. for so many years. He's like, hey, my wife's a supermodel, and I make good money. Well, give, <laughs> give his team credit because, you know, I saw this tweet last night when this came out, and it's funny. Uh, whoever – who's going to – because at some point, they may, the, the, the Guggenheim family may sell the Dodgers, and someone's going to buy the Dodgers and say, we owe this guy $68 million for the hey. next decade. What are we doing here? He's not even playing for us. You can make <laughs> – but think about how much you can make on it now with him, with oh, that lineup and him well, being the Well, the idea is to go win a bunch of World star. Series. Yeah. With, with Mook. Mook, he's one of the you know, five, oh. ten best players in the game. Well, now you're an international – Dodgers are already an international brand, but you got an international brand now with Shohei as well. So sure. You, you can milk the merchandising. There's totally. a lot of money you can make on all sides with this thing. Smart, and there's yeah. no rule in the CBA, the collective bargaining agreement, that, 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 that they don't put a cap on deferred money. You can defer as much as you're willing to defer. That's, Long a, that's a baseball thing because they sure. don't have a true salary cap. That's correct. You can only do that in baseball. Well, and baseball's too. biggest problem, this is a different conversation, but baseball's biggest problem is not a salary cap. They don't have a salary floor. So you have such a disparity. I mean, that's the little secret that people don't talk about with the NFL's cap and the NBA's cap. You have a salary floor cap but yeah, you, you also have a salary floor yeah so you have to so these these teams in the in major league baseball who are spending nickels compared this is bad for baseball when yeah. you got teams and owners who are just pocketing luxury tax revenue and aren't spending it on their team and their argument is well you know they're spending 300 million dollars well we, we we we're trying to develop our farm system is what the argument would be but yeah they need to have a baseball floor and probably some type of cap but the luxury tax does serve as one but either way yes yeah, brilliant business by Shohei I mean <laughs> he's still going to make his 700 million He's but, make but, but but ninety five percent of it will be taxed at a at a normal a different rate, and he'll get it until he's you know fifty or sixty years old. Thank well, you. Well, and then the Dodgers get a chance to you know be have a little flexibility. Oh yeah, build a roster financially. They can actually add more pieces to yeah. this potential well, look, championship I mean, roster. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. won the MVP in the National League, but numbers two and three of the last year were Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts. I mean, those were the second and third best players in the NL. And now you're turning over and adding, you know, Bryce Harper's great, but those two guys had unbelievable seasons. Now you're adding Shohei, who at least for the first year will be just a DH or just to play in the outfield and, you know, hit 50 home runs. But now he's going to bat, you would guess bat third, right? It'll be Mookie. Freeman, Shohei, or however you want to line them up if you're Dave Roberts, and now you can go out and you have the salary flexibility to add some of, some other pitching that you need to do. Uh, they were ravaged by injuries to their pitching staff last year, but the Dodgers and you know will be the heavy favorites with those that lineup. And, a lot of uh, pressure, a lot of pressure to win oh, it man, out too. But, I mean. but but that indicates to a lot of folks that Shohei wants to win, I and mean, that's why he deferred the money. There's tax benefits for him long term, but he wanted to give the team. He didn't want to sign there, and then the team's hamstrung to what they can do beyond the roster they currently yeah, he have. Be in the same situation he was. That's in right. <laughs> and the Dodgers yeah, right. are consistently playing meaningful games in October, which 
if that continues, we'll get to see the best player on the planet consistently in October, which is what we really need to see, right? It's like it's, like it's not seeing the best quarterback in, in January. You're not seeing Patrick Mahomes play meaningful January football games. Like, what are we doing? It's unbelievable. Why, why, why can't his team make the playoffs? This is terrible. It's hurting the game. <laughs> I mean, he's Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Can we get is. him in the playoffs? Man, that's how it's been for Shohei. And since he's been in the league and now on the Dodgers, they hope, we hope to see him in the big games of October. Um, Tommy DeVito last night. Uh, Tommy, Tommy D. <laughs> 228 total yards, had a touchdown, uh, third straight win as a starter. Somehow the Giants have awakened out of their slumber. Uh, one game back now, the wild card's by. How about that? The, well, I'm telling you, man, the, the playoff gi- race the is Giants, wild. Uh, yeah, well, just got quarter. I mean, it's just, I think it's a quarterback attrition that's going on, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. But uh, just to give you a uh, – just – how rare it is that a guy like Tommy DeVito can be doing what he's doing and playing at a really high level for the Giants. Uh, they're, I mean, they're, they're not going to make the playoffs. I don't think they are. I was just letting you know how far they've come. Um, but maybe, just maybe, they can pull something off and pull off an upset over the, the Eagles. If that is the case, because they play them twice, right? Yes. Down the stretch. That's what you're hoping for if you're a Cowboys fan. you got to be loving this. Yeah, the Tommy Giants need to beat the Eagles. Yep. You just got to hope that they can pull off some type of miracle that they believe it. That would be great for the Cowboys. Give them a little bit of wiggle room um, in terms of, you know, right now they're leading the division, but as he pointed out yesterday, it won't be for long um, if the Cowboys don't go uh, basically perfect. They don't go 4 and 0 down this Well, and that's stretch. the thing, right? Even if the Cowboys go 4 and 0 against a very difficult stretch that includes Buffalo, Miami, uh, we'll get into the Dolphins and their debacle last night. Um, it was debacle into debacle in Miami last night. Tennessee and then and then it was Miami's turn. But either way, um, you know, Dallas plays Buffalo, Miami, uh, and then a tough game with Detroit. And all those games will be very meaningful to those three teams and important to playoff seating and the playoffs and division championships and things. So, you know, meanwhile, as you said, the, the Eagles are playing Giants twice, Cardinals, Seattle, all under 500 football teams. If they run the table and if the Cowboys run the table, the Eagles still win the division. Yeah. Which I know that's disappointing. I mean, you'd be 13-4. and four, You'd be one of the two best, three best teams in the league, yet you'd be a wild card traveling weekend one in the playoffs. That division championship is important. So that's to your point. Tommy D. Tommy Cutlets need, need to step up and beat the Eagles yeah, one time. Exactly. You just need them to pull the upset one time. We've seen stranger things happen this NFL season. Don't last like night. Exactly. You saw it last night. Tommy DeVito, how about this, though? This is how rare it is for an undrafted rookie to be doing what he's doing. Um, he is the uh, basically tied now for the most victories um, by an undrafted rookie quarterback. He has three wins this year, tying the NFL record for most victories by an undrafted rookie QB. It, you, don't, you don't see this. Like you just, it's very rare you see undrafted quarterbacks in this situation end up winning games. Now, so it's a team thing. He's not just, you know, I don't think he's playing uh, like gangbusters and, and I don't think leading them necessarily to a win, but he's not losing games as a rookie. He's not making mistakes, and he's actually making some critical plays in clutch moments. Not saying they can pull off the upset over the Eagles. That's asking a lot. But at least now it's not necessarily out of the question. Like It's a possibility. Yeah, no, it is. It ain't, it's, it ain't probable, but it's possible. Yeah. Well, and I would wonder, when, I know you're going to talk about quarterback attrition and the lack of quality QB play in the NFL right now. You wonder with this transfer portal and NIL and we're seeing quarterbacks play five, six, seven years in college, I mean, that does help develop more good quarterbacks for the next level, right? You just got more guys that played more football. Yeah. Because, you know, you get drafted or undrafted and you don't play, you never develop. You never get any reps. Um, at least in college, if you're playing high-level college, football, like Dylan Gabriel is going to go play another year. Bo Nix and Michael Penix are six-year players. Um, you know, they're going to come into the NFL with a lot of experience that you don't get if you're sitting on a bench somewhere, you know, trying to be a free agent quarterback. Yeah. But uh, we'll see down the line if that does start to pay some dividends because kids will stay around and play. Your young, young men will stay around and play college football, make some NIL money, and continue to play. Continue to play and, you know, work week to week and preparation and all that. That's, all, that's the way you get better at really anything is getting those reps. Uh, I would also say both conferences, Rod, as we sit here this morning on this, the 12th of December, both the AFC and the NFC have t- – they are 11 teams deep in the wild card race or in the playoff race, 11 teams. Yeah. So you're 22 teams. That's what the NFL wants. I mean. That's exactly what the NFL wants. And in, the, in, the, in, the, in the NFC, it's the, it's the Cowboys and Niners at the top right now. But then there are teams all the way down to the 11th seed, which would be New Orleans at 6-7. and seven. But there are five, six, and seven teams. New Orleans, Atlanta, Seattle, the Rams, and Green Bay. That was a big loss for Green Bay last night. Over in the AFC, it's the same thing all the way down to the 11th. And 
from 11 up, it's seven and six teams, Buffalo, Cincinnati, Denver, Houston, Indianapolis, Pittsburgh. So, I mean, uh, it is jumbled uh, big time, uh, to your point. And then, you know, if you go, if you go to the Chargers, Jets, down Tennessee, and then as you mentioned, the, the Giants, they're just a win and a loss back out of being in that mix. Because like, they're all five and eight. Well, we all gave up on the Giants. Like, oh, the Giants are done. They were bad when they had Daniel Jones. They're definitely going to be bad with Tommy DeVito. Not the case because the quarterback attrition across the league, all the quarterback injuries, now everything is kind of regressed to the mean. So where you thought, like, oh, man, that quarterback injury is going to be devastating for this particular team. Well, not when more than half the team has to deal with quarterback injuries, backup quarterbacks, third-string quarterbacks. Now you're getting to deal with it. So it basically gets back to, man, can you coach your way to a win here and there, even with quarterback limitations? And your young quarterback or backup quarterback – how do you put them in the best position to be successful? I think it's fascinating, actually, to watch these coaches oh. and them have to coach their way. Because remember, quarterbacks cover up a lot of flaws for teams. If you've got a really good quarterback in the locker room, on the field, when you don't have that presence and you as a coach got to go out there and figure out a way to win within the margins, yeah. right? and find that well, hidden field uh, position here and there, it is fascinating sure. to see how coaches do it. And I think it's starting to see a little separation in the league from the coaches who well, can. And if you've got a healthy quarterback, then you see they're the – they're the teams at the top of the divisions, right? That's your Dak Prescott. That's your Brock Purdy and the 49ers and the Cowboys. That's your Lamar Jackson, the Ravens. It was Miami Dolphins with Tua because they stayed healthy. But if you've got a healthy quarterback, that's half the battle now. Yeah, but I, I would extend to be on quarterback. It's just overall health. I mean, I, I you know Tyree Kill's injury last night really hurt the Dolphins. When he was kind of limited, that offense changes, and it's, it changes the way Tennessee and Mike Vrabel's defense was able to play him. We talked about the uh, the Texans. How do the Texans go from beating Denver and looking really good to then turn around and losing to the Jets? And they lost like five or six significant players. And you know, people say, well, injuries shouldn't be an excuse. Well, what happened to the Niners when they lost Trent Williams and Debo Samuel for three games? Yeah. They lost three games. It, it's, a, it's a stars league. And when you have your stars all healthy and playing, whether it's quarterback or other positions, you separate from the rest of the league. When you lose those guys, you come back to the pack really quick because yep. those are the difference makers on your football team. I will, I'll extend what I said about teams still in the mix, Rod. If you can include the five and eight teams, who are a win away for a couple of you know, things falling their way over the next three weeks for being in the playoff mix, 28 teams would be included, right? 28 of the 32 teams at least have a path to the playoffs with four weeks to go. The only teams you can look at and say they're out, Washington, Cardinals. Arizona, mm-hmm. Carolina, and New England. Yep. That's what the NFL wants. Everybody else is somewhat in it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just with, it's amazing with four to go. And obviously they're battling for top spots, but they're also battling for the bottom with seven teams making it in each conference. So uh, 28 teams have a chance. Only 14 teams make it. Next month should be pretty wild. It's going to be. Pretty I know, wild. It, it, it's exactly what the NFL wants. They want to keep hope alive. Keep yeah, hope alive. All these markets. With all the different fan bases, which <clears throat> uh, you just explained it there. Uh, mathematically, they're still alive and they're still in it. And the NFL wants parity. They want as many teams close to 500 as possible. That's the way they engineer the league. Um, and this is exactly what they want. Now, they want more scoring. All right, and I think the quarterback attrition has affected the scoring in the league more so than anything. So you got one of the lowest scoring leagues in the last 20 years, and that, uh, and I think that's what the NFL is concerned about. You get very low scoring games, especially in prime time. Um, the NFL doesn't want that. They want points. Yeah. So that's the one thing that they're not getting right now with this model. Well, and coming out of it, I think the biggest headline of last night's doubleheader is shame on the, the Dolphins. They had a chance to pull even with the uh, with the Baltimore Ravens atop the AFC. <laughs> Vic Fangio is a really good defensive coordinator. They got good players. It's almost like they went to sleep, Rod. They got up 20. The, the, the Titans gifted them yeah. 14 points in a 13 13 game. That was a collapse. And they went to sleep on defense. Yeah, they went to absolute sleep on defense. It should not be that easy to score two touchdowns. It's never happened before. To score two touchdowns, gain, get a two point conversion within the span of four minutes. With Will Levis, a rookie quarterback, I mean, you'd held him to 13 points the whole night. Yeah, but that's uh, when you have a meltdown like that, you can't just put it on the defense because there are other phases of the game. Oh, yeah, they went three and out on to, offense. Yeah, as I was saying, you had to have a wholesale failure on offense as well. And, you know, that's to, to me, that's not just on the defense because as a head coach and you're the offensive guy, you got to be thinking, all right, you know what? I got to do whatever it takes to convert keep the ball at least long enough so they don't have enough time to go right back down yeah, the field Yeah, they went three again. and out uh, after they, went, after they scored McDaniel. and got the two-point conversion. Yeah. And it was on Tua. I thought Tua, the, the, if you watch the game, the Dolphins had a third and two, and all they had to do was get a first down, and they continued to milk the, the clock. the game would be over pretty much. They couldn't get third or fourth and two. Yeah. Uh, the play calls were, and Tua held the ball, took a sack. 
they had every opportunity to move the chains and then milk the clock a little bit more. Yeah. They ended up having to punt. And then the defense was just, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins running wide open. I mean, what are we doing here? Hey, Kansas City, what the hell were you thinking? Yeah. Remember we kept saying, oh, man, DeAndre Hopkins going to Kansas City, that would be crazy. And remember that it never happened? He ended up going to Tennessee. Yeah, why didn't the Chiefs sign DeAndre Hopkins? Why didn't they sign <laughs> Do you think Patrick Mahomes would be yelling at officials right now if they had signed DeAndre Hopkins? Because he still looks great. All right, we'll come back. We'll just get warmed up. We've got a lot of college football coming. Rod behind the burnt orange curtain. It's a very special day on this, the 12th of December. We'll tell you about that coming up. Also, uh, the what the facts. We have 28 teams. 28 teams still with a path to the playoffs. And I'll give credit to the league. No one's really tanking. Uh, no one's really tanking for the quarterbacks. We thought they might. Everyone's fighting for it, which is kind of cool. We'll be back. Hook them up with Ian Rod B. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. It is a Tuesday, 12th December, Hook Em Up with Ian Rod B. We'll go behind the burnt orange curtain coming up Longhorn 20 days now to the game with Washington. Looking more and more to me, and uh, Rod's talked about it like a shootout out there in the Sugar Bowl with uh, high-octane offenses, quarterbacks, and uh, defenses that can be susceptible to giving up big plays through the air. And Washington on the ground, too. So we'll talk about that coming up. Also, the other matchup, uh, Michigan and Alabama. The bowl game start this weekend, if you can believe that, if you'll be paying attention. And we're uh, keeping our eyes closely uh, affixed to the portal and certainly to recruiting. Longhorns in the middle of doing both with their coaches fanned out across the country uh, and all over Texas, you know, doing the final recruiting pitch because one week from tomorrow is when the national signing window opens on December the 20th. And, of course, the portal is in full madness right now. The portal madness that we're watching with uh, the Longhorns. Looks like Andrew Makuba will be in town this week. The Clemson uh, safety who's transferring. Also, yep. uh, over the weekend, they had a kid from UTSA in town. Uh, the pass rusher who's uh, you know got a Trey lot of more. Trey Moore has got a lot of a lot of, a lot of covet out there. And it uh, looks like uh, Deontay Burks, the Purdue receiver, could be making a visit to Austin this week as well. Also, maybe the Norman, Oklahoma. So we'll get to all that and the portal. One note, we said we'd do this last week, Rod, and we're going to have some, some, uh, some fun paying tribute to and respect to the late, great Mike Leach. Mike Leach, who passed away on this day one year ago. One year ago. Yeah. Uh, you played against teams coached by Mike Leach. Love me some Mike Leach, yeah. <laughs> and, you know. Spoiled our uh, BCS hopes one year. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we always love an outlier. We always love a, a person who will think outside the box, and Mike Leach was certainly that. And I think the college football world will miss Mike Leach and his perspective over time. Changed, uh, changed football forever, not just college football. Changed yeah. football. Yeah, the uh, inhale mummy. Yeah, the air raid. The air raid, and you're a football theorist, and we can talk uh, about the funny sides and the comments and how Mike Leach viewed things. Anybody that spent, you know, ten minutes with Mike Leach realized pretty quickly there's there's very few characters like him yeah. uh, in the world. Certainly, that a coach college football, <laughs> um, he was just so different than any other coach you'll you'll be around. But we'll play some some highlights from Mike Leach and remember him on this day. Passed away. Way too soon, uh, one year ago on December the 12th. But, uh, yeah, I mean, changed the game. Changed the game. Made it basketball on grass. And everything you see today is different the way the game is played at every level because of guys like Mike Leach and Hal Mummy. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, Mike Leach basically was – he was such an extremist <laughs> with his philosophy. It basically, a lot of the air raid coaches from that tree, they uh, – they basically talk about the air raid philosophy like it's a religion. They they compare it to a religion. They say it's not an an offensive like scheme that it's more of a religion. You adopt it, and it has this uh, this way of I was some someone say infecting, uh, but affecting every phase of your team. That's why some people. Uh, some coaches they don't think it is a championship. If you can, if you're fully adopt adopted, not just adopt some concepts, but if you fully buy into the religion of the air raid, that they don't believe you can be a championship level football team with it. That they believe in, inevitably what happens to Lincoln Riley's teams will happen to your team. You're not physical if you enough. Buy all if you go all in on the air raid. My, Bob Stoops was the perfect balance to it, though, right? That's the beauty of what Bob Stoops did. He brought in the air raid, won a championship, adopted the air raid, but he had a physical, uh, tough style defense, uh, defensive style, and he was a hard-nosed football coach. You do have to have that mix and that balance. That's why I think it's tough when they do go all in on the air sure. raid because, as Mike Leach said, he was an extremist. 
it will it's it's a it's a religion you got to buy into the philosophy and it will affect every part of your football team or infect and then you have to deal with the repercussions of that. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, it, it, the argument is that it affects – you want to win in all three phases. You're going to be good on offense and passing the ball, but, you know, your defense will suffer. Maybe your special team suffers because you're moving so fast and everybody gets worn out because uh, you're going such tempo. But it was a problem. You played against it as a defender. It is not fun. Oh, it's play. not fun. No, <laughs> offensively, but it makes you kind of an offensively-centric team and yeah. always the conundrum was to try to how, to how to balance the air rate. The, the, the offense is certainly – what you want uh, as a as a coach, but how do you get it to have a positive effect, a positive domino effect on the rest of your team? Yeah, that was always it. But I mean, Mike Leach and Hal Mummy, like I said, they changed the game forever. Originally, Mike Leach's air raid was different than Hal Mummy's air raid. Hal Mummy's air raid was a two back air raid. It was actually kind of like the old school West Coast offense. They had two backs in the backfield. Uh, Mike Leach is the one that made a 10 personnel air raid with four wide receivers on the field. He is the one that emphasized the slot wide receiver, probably changed football forever because nobody was really emphasizing slot wide receivers as much as Mike Leach was early on. Your West Walkers, he's the one that turned those little quick and twitchy guys into weapons yeah, <laughs> in the that's, slot. That's a, that's a nobody great, was really doing that before Mike Leach was. That's a great point. And, yeah. and you know, if, if, if Lawrence Taylor and his dominance created left tackles right in the blind side and the importance of having a guy and uh, made them a, a, a key figure, yeah, slot receivers. Oh, um, the, yeah. They just turn them out, and now everyone is looking for the oh, slot. That guy. That yep. guy. That mm-hmm. guy who uh, short area quickness, speed, and yep. – uh, uh, changes the game, but you're right. Bob Stoops, you know, coming with that Youngstown, Ohio mentality and Iowa um, defensive roots. You know, he he mm-hmm. kind of kept it as close as he could, but uh, it certainly was a football theory that changed the game, and everybody had to react to it. I remember listening to Mac Brown talk about what are these offensive line splits? These guys are like, you know, mm-hmm. what, how do we attack this? Everybody had to football theater. Okay, what? How? Okay, because before you can get your hands around, it, you got to figure out what they're doing, what yeah. they're wanting to force you to do. And uh, Mike Leach always trying to push it. But he also was very funny and had some great oh, quotes that we'll play he was awesome. throughout the course so of the morning. In so many losing, ways. Hate losing him one year ago today. That'll be coming up. We'll also uh, get some what the facts for the top of the hour. Doubleheader of upsets on Monday Night Football. But right now, let's go behind the burnt orange curtain. And they were all asking themselves the same question. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is behind that curtain? All right, let's talk about uh, Texas matchup versus Washington a little bit. Uh, the biggest concern, biggest fear factor has to be Texas pass defense versus the Washington passing offense. It is the best passing offense in the country, and they are probably the most prolific deep ball passing offense in the country. Uh, passes 20 yards or more. They've thrown 100 uh, so far this season. Just to give you perspective on that, Quinn is right around 40 passes of 20 yards or more. Yes, he was out for a couple of games, but very different offenses um, in terms of the, how vertically centric this Washington offense is going to be. Here's the good news, though. Last season, they were they they were a, a really good passing offense. They're better this year because Michael Penix is better and the receivers are better. One more year in that Kalen DeBoer system and chemistry within that, that passing uh, offense between the quarterback and the wide receivers, it's all better. Um, there's no no doubt about that. But last year, they were really, really lethal in the passing game as well, arguably the best passing offense in the country last season. And Texas did a really good job limiting the big plays downfield, the deep balls downfield. They threw by my calculation. I went back and watched that uh, Alamo Bowl. They threw by my calculations nine deep balls last season, only completed one of them uh, in that game. Uh, they had a really tough time. It, actually, Michael Penix Jr., um, had I believe his uh, yards per attempt in that game was the it was the uh, lowest in the last two years. Texas held Michael Penix's lowest yards per attempt in the last two years. Five point uh, I think it's five point three yards per attempt. Uh, only two hundred eighty seven yards on fifty four attempts. So the actual uh, game plan for Texas last year defensively really worked. Now 
I'm not gonna say Michael Pennington missed a couple of guys. He missed a couple of guys deep on some of those shots. But for the majority of them, Texas had them well covered, um, and they put enough pressure on Michael Penix, or at least made him uncomfortable enough in the pocket where he were he wasn't able to deliver accurate darts, right? And accurate on target deep deep shot downfield. So that is really good for uh, Texas, at least game planning for this season. They found a way to obstruct, all right, their deep ball attack in that in that game in Alamo Bowl, only one of nine. They, they actually, and crazy thing about it, the one deep ball they completed was that first one. They, they had a flea flicker on the first play. Remember, they had a flea flicker on the first play, so 34-yard completion. After that, they had a really tough time completing the deep balls, and then they reverted back to just completing underneath shots. The only pass they throw more than 20 yards or more, the 20-yard more shot down the field is the pass from zero to nine yards. They throw that a lot. That is really their bread and butter, and they went to that against Texas in the second half. Getting to the, uh, the team now, the current, uh, passing offense for Washington, which is still really, really good. They right now are right now. You go look at it; they're still the, in my opinion, the number one passing offense in the country um, in a lot of ways, especially on the deep shots. I went and looked at it, and Washington completes forty-four percent of their deep balls downfield this season. All right, um, that actually is above the average. The average is probably close to thirty percent. Um, Texas allows teams to complete 36% of their deep balls. But if you take away the backup quarterbacks Texas played, which is what I did in the sample size, um, that number rises to about 42%, unfortunately, for Texas. And seven opponents out of the 10 opponents they played with a starting quarterback um, had a completion percentage of 40 or more on deep balls against Texas. And six of their opponents had a completion percentage of 50% or more on deep balls. It didn't matter as much because Texas was able to stonewall teams in the running game, make them one-dimensional, and you can't just beat a team just chunking deep balls down the field, especially when you got a block to Andre Sweat and Byron Murphy. But teams were able at times to make plays on Texas in the deep ball, and actually Oklahoma State had a, I think they were three of seven. Uh, on deep balls uh, on that I calculated, but that doesn't include the PI uh, that they got. Doesn't include early on the uh, what should have been a PI, and Mike Gundy was upset about it on that first drive for Texas um, with Terrence Brooks. There was another deep ball post that they missed. Guy was just running wide open, had separation on Texas. So Oklahoma State's one kind of saving grace because they really couldn't do anything against Texas. Ali Gordon only had 34 yards. Was to just try to chunk it deep. And it, they made some plays chunking it deep on Texas, especially when Texas was in this version of cloud coverage where they had a safety over the top and then the, the cornerback playing underneath or playing in the flat. So Oklahoma State only did that because Texas was playing press man on the outside. Them playing press man on the outside was to take away the easy completions, the inside breaking routes, the, the targets to bunch, which is really important for Texas. The last two games they've had their – one of their best pass defensive performances, and it's because they've been more aggressive on the outside playing press man coverage. But the Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, Serena Williams size, Cardi B size, Megan the Stallion size, but is that when you do that, teams are going to challenge you and take you over the top. Texas does it to other teams when they do it to Xavier Worthy and A.D. Mitchell. When they come up and play press man, what does Texas always check to? A deep ball. Why not? Because, hell, they can't cover our guy one-on-one like that, and it's almost disrespectful, <laughs> all right, for you to come up and press an NFL receiver. And that, I think, also is what Washington's going to do with Texas when they come up and press, and, yes, you have to because you can't give up the easy completions every time to this group and I think that's what Texas is going to do to take that away they covered the D ball really well last year we'll see if they can do it again this year same group pretty much for Washington not for Texas Texas got new corners Terrence Brooks remember he played in that game but Malik Muhammad will probably be there you got Ryan Watts who did play in that game as well so he's the same your safeties are different though no Derek Williams for the first half of that game they're going to take some deep shots. Like I said, first play of the game, they took a deep shot in that Alamo Bowl. They're going to take them. They took, on the first drive, they took two deep shots on the first drive. They threw nine of them in the game. The only reason they stopped throwing them is because they couldn't complete them. Yeah. And even late in the game, they kept throwing them. I mean, I got my calculation. They threw, the, they threw one on their last drive. They won third and 11. They threw a deep ball. On their third to last drive, they threw, they threw two, two deep balls. They kept chunking them. 
But Texas defended them really well. If Texas defends them really well this time, they'll win that game. If Texas holds them to one of nine on deep balls in this game, they'll, Texas will win the game. Yeah, maybe comfortably um, because they, were, they had their opportunities. Remember, Texas threw a deep ball to Xavier Worthy that he dropped. That might have been a walk-in third-quarter yeah, touchdown. It's one of his worst games, if not his worst game. And having been in that player. building for that game, that, that, that drop by Xavier Worthy, everybody saw it coming because he was wide open out mm-hmm. of the slot and it, you know tore up the seam, and uh, Quinn hit him, it dropped, and – the, the, the air just went out of the building. Just went out of the yep. building. And uh, Longhorn fans were grumbling from then on at Xavier Worthy. And, but I, you know, my recollection you know, at that game is Terrence Brooks, as a freshman, played really tough. He did. And part of the reason they only completed one of nine was I thought he played a really good game, kind of a coming out game for him. And that's the exciting part for the Longhorns. You could argue with this month to prepare, right? You talk about all year, all season long, Rod, that the, uh, the NFL, or the, the, the college football season, you know, it's – is trying to get up every week and then yep. be close to, to your best as you can, but it's a week-to-week conference uh, schedule that you're just, you know, routine, and then you're going to have some scares along the way. You're going to have a dud along the way. Can you survive it? Uh, now you got a month to get ready, and both teams do. That's why we expect a really high-level game. Yeah, get healthy, yeah. Work, you know, go back to work on some fundamental things that you didn't get to work on during the season, like coverage and like defending deep balls and just technique type of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so both teams should be healthy, sharp, and ready to go. Should be a lot of fun in 20 days. All right, we'll come back. We'll pick up the what the facts. There's your behind the burn orange curtain. First of a uh, few this morning that we'll have. We'll have some good Mike Leach audio this morning on the day he passed away one year ago today. Uh, we're also talking doubleheader in Monday Night Football. The NFL is wild. Cowboys might be the best team in the league. If it's not the 49ers, we'll talk about that. Some power ranking stuff. It's uh, Hook Em Up with Ian Rod B on a Tuesday. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Oh, dang, uh, Ty's bringing back to you the, the Creed. He's, he's feeling his Rangers this morning. Maybe the Cowboys can get on the Creed bandwagon the way Dak Prescott is playing right now, the way the Cowboys are playing right now with a 20-point win over the Eagles on Sunday Night Football, one of the highlights of Week 14 in the National Football yeah, League. You need to be rooting for Tommy DeVito, man. Yeah, I Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito to pull that upset over them Eagles. That's what y'all Tommy need Cutlets, to be rooting baby. for. Tommy. Y'all, y'all taking care of business ain't enough. Y'all yes. need a little help. Yeah, sometimes the stories write themselves. And Tommy, Tommy DeVito last night, engineer to come back, his family in the stands. He's got an agent that – Looks straight out of Central Casting. It's like Soul Sopranos, baby. <laughs> I mean, Love it. Mm-hmm. You can never not wear that now. Oh, and then they got they got the little the little hand sign now to celebrate Tommy DeVito. He did a little hand celebration. Hey, yay! I love it. Hey, oh, it's Tommy Cutlets. It's fantastic. That's it really good. is. It's yeah, because that's it's such a New York story too. It's a great oh, perfect. New York. And if he was story. playing in Baltimore or something, or, <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't you know, be cool. Wouldn't matter. In wouldn't Arizona. be as cool. Jacksonville wouldn't no, be as cool. Like in, no, he's, he's in New York City, guys. He's playing in Jersey. <laughs> he's in Jersey. He's <laughs> Come on, man. Oh, it's too good. It but, is uh, good. But yeah. uh, little stats as we're talking uh, facts of the facts day. Facts of the day, Tom. Tommy DeVito has now led the Giants to three wins. That ties the NFL record for most victories by an undrafted rookie. You don't see this, guys. This this story is rare. Yeah, and Anything he's playing like, good. I mean, the throws yeah. he made on that uh, that two that minute thirty drive to set up the field goal. He made some high level throws and it's some tight Can Move window. a little bit. Move a little bit. Run a little I think bit he ran too, for man. Sixty yards or something in the game yeah. last night. So yeah, Giants beat the Packers. Seventy one rushing yards on ten carries. Yeah, Tommy DeVito. Tommy Who is D. this guy? Who is this guy? Uh, no, it's good. It's good. Hey, Rod, uh, it's a fact. The San Antonio Spurs haven't won a game since November 2nd. Yeah. 17 straight losses. That's a franchise record. This whole one by Nyama mania has uh, – It's the Rockets they played, right? Yeah, Rockets beat them. That, well, yeah, cause they better have if the Rockets lost yeah, to them. You can't be the team now that loses the Spurs, right? Well, they were losing to 16 straight. You can't lose to that team, man. Yeah, 11. The Rockets are over 500, 11 yeah. and 9 now coming out of the uh, in-season tournament deal they had over the weekend. Everybody was back playing. So, they got uh, 17 in a row. Wow. Spurs fans are kind of deflated because you're one of the. It was so win. hot. It was so. It was such so a hot hype. topic. Yeah, to start the season and now. It's no kind of like, it's kind of like Dion in Colorado. That lasted about four games. I'm like, oh gosh, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> now what are we gonna do the rest of the year? That's a, that's a great point. I don't know. I don't know when. Yeah, I mean they'll they'll hit a stride here, and they'll you know I'm sure that Wimby will have some highlight reel. Will plays. Will they hit a stride though? Yeah, we got Greg Popovich yelling at the fans. Now that was that was weak. And that I was the weakest pop has looked in a while. Yeah, he, uh, this is guys. I smile now when I hear Creed. Way to go, Ty. Good memories. Yeah. Are you trying to channel the Creed for the for the Cowboys too? Or what are you trying to do here? Or is that was just what you chose? I mean, you know, I, I've said I, I just like Creed. So he just, I know, not, he actually did. There's some, peop, there's some people out there that agree with me, and there's some people, some that's people fine. that don't. That's, so. hey, that, it's a good tune. It's a good intro. 
Hey, also, what else do you have in facts of the day, Rod? Uh, yes, getting to the facts of the day. Uh, how about this one? Um, I saw this uh, NFL teams, and this comes from uh, this is about the game last night. Back by Tommy, Tommy DeVito. He is the only QB to have a QBR of seventy-five plus in Week fourteen. That concludes one of the worst weeks of quarterback play in the NFL in the last eighteen seasons, <laughs> and it's because of all the backup quarterbacks, and even some of the starting quarterbacks aren't having great games, but. How about that for Tommy DeVito showing up? Hey, I'm telling you, yeah, it's you a great know, story, man. You can't, can't make it up. Of it. Can't make it up. Can't he, get uh, enough of it. I know you like to watch a lot of TV and uh, movies and whatnot. Yesterday, the Golden Globe nominations came out. That's a fact. Best actor in a drama film is going to be a big category, Rod, this year, if you're paying attention to the award season. Okay. Got Bradley Cooper for a movie he directed called Maestro about the life of Leonard Bernstein. Yeah, I want to see that. that. I've heard it's good. I've heard it's good. I you got Leo. That. Leo DiCaprio and Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh, yeah. That, that's supposed to be available by now for streaming. It's out, yeah. But, yeah, I don't want to buy it. I want to stream it. It's a long movie. Well, I know. Long it's like three movie. hours. I don't, uh, Leo's worth it. Martin Scorsese and uh, yeah. Leo DiCaprio. Leo's worth it. De Niro, all based in the state of Oklahoma. Uh, Killian Murphy is uh, up for it for Oppenheimer, uh, which is out there. So that, that'll be, that, those are heavyweights right there, right? Killian Murphy, Leo DiCaprio, He's and Bradley great. Cooper. It's fantastic. And then in the, uh, the, the same category for the females, you've got uh, – Gosh, um, what, what is it, Barbie? Mar- Margot Robbie and Barbie, of course. Oh, yeah. Head-to-head uh, uh, head with some other heavyweights. The, those two those two categories would be big uh, all, all season long, for yeah. sure. Oh, television, I was it's, it's like, a, I mean, when you're talking about television and film now, we're talking about a golden age of it, pretty much. Even, yeah. even with the writer's strike and all that stuff and coming off of that, it's still really good. Do you watch the show Fargo? Are you in I've heard it's great. I have it not really started. is, man. I need to, though. The latest season is really good uh, with you know, John Hammond. Anyway, but if you don't watch Fargo, I'd recommend it. Anyway, there you go. Uh, but let, getting back to facts of the day. Give it to me. know the name Josh Mate- uh, Metellus? No. You should know the name. This season, he's a player for the Vikings. They're trying to get him a Pro Bowl vote. This season, he has played all these positions. Strong safety, free safety, left cornerback, right cornerback, slot cornerback, inside, left inside linebacker, right off ball linebacker, middle linebacker, left outside linebacker, right outside linebacker, right defensive end, and left defensive tackle for the Vikings. He's played all those different positions. All Josh Metellus. I've not, not watched a lot of Minnesota Vikings football since Kirk Cousins got hurt. I know, just give me that dude there. I mean, that, a lot of people just want him to make the uh, Pro Bowl just because of his uh, versatility. Um, but, yeah, that's about as versatile as you can get. Yeah, I like that. That's awesome. That's just uh, a baller. It's a baller. Uh, so this ball is a fact. Player. Patrick Mahomes apologizes. He regrets the outburst following the controversial loss to the Bills. We said yesterday he was just mad that the way this season is going for him right now. Uh, and he apologized. Andy Reid backtracked. Uh, but I will say this, give uh, and what the facts I mean, Dan Orlovsky of ESPN went back and watched every snap of Kadarius Toney, and he says that, uh, according to his eyewitness, Kadarius Toney lined up offsides three or four other times in the game, and they didn't call it. And they did call it on the play, so it's one of those be consistent and then make – but but point and being, was, and he was there, And there was no warning. No warning. On those other times. And not one time did Kadarius Tony look to the official to see if he was onside or not, so, uh, which is his role, his so, job. You so learn that when you're like eight years old. Yeah, that's a high school <laughs> – that high school level. I'm a good tell, coach. Can I check the My good guy. I mean, you will, look over. And he will give you the hand – he'll basically give you a nonverbal gesture – Come up yeah. or back off and or you're good. You're good. Yeah. Well, because you, you can't be across the line, but you also have to be up on the line yeah. or else you'll be no, off, off. That's, that's every level of football I've ever known. Even, cause even I, I, when I was a gunner, you as a gunner, you have to be on the line, and they'll, they'll give you the adjustment. You can ask them about that too. So, I, so Orlovsky yeah. looked at it and said there are other t- – this is to yeah. go to the frustration of the, of the Chiefs, like he did it three or four times in the game. You didn't call it. Then on this, you did. But So who's the most at fault here? Is it Kadarius Toney? Is it the Chiefs coaching staff? By the way, coaches are supposed to also be watching that. Be, yeah. They're all supposed to reprimand their own players and, 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 you know, and basically have to hold their own players accountable. Hey, man, you're holding a lot. Well, hey, man, you know you're going to get called for that. That's on their, their side, too. And Is it on the refs? Like Who, who has to bear the most responsibility Kadarius for Kadarius this Tony. mental error? That's yeah, what I Kadarius, said. Yeah, by 100%. Come on, I mean, man. it's like 95% Kadarius Tony. And, and then, then it's on the Chiefs. If you want to find five other percent, you can divvy that up with everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> I would say the refs are probably, man, less than 5% no. uh, responsibility for this. Because, yes, I will agree with you. They should give a warning 
if he had done it earlier in the game. Don't call it in a crucial moment in the game like that if you're letting it go all game. The whole point is, I, I would say refs, I don't care if the refs are calling, uh, calling the game a certain way. I don't care if they're bad refs or good refs. Just be consistent in the That's way you're right. calling the game so that I can adjust my technique and I can adjust my style of play. And if you're going to let that go, then you're letting it go. Yeah. And Don't that's why you're calling it out. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's what led. Because we we've never seen Mahomes yeah. act this way. Yeah. Uh, you know, be consistent. You know. Be consistent. Be consistent. Yeah, that's the only thing. You're going to be bad. Be bad. But be consistently bad. Don't don't try to switch it up. So maybe that's – I agree with that. That's unfortunate. But come on, man. You still you, – so you didn't pay attention to details, and now you're mad at the official? That's right. Because you guys aren't buttoned up? That yeah. goes back to your point about Eric Bieniemy. Okay, and they're not paying attention to details, and that goes back to coaching. Because, I mean, I know we talk about the, they should have signed DeAndre Hopkins or somebody they or traded for a receiver, but at the same time, uh, you know, you, they, a lot of these same guys helped you win the, the Super Bowl last year. Kadarius Tony had a huge punt return uh, in the Super Bowl that helped you win that game. That's and uh, so a lot of the same guys, different coordinator. Different coordinator. No, you're right about that. Uh, that's why dynasties are hard, man, because it, it doesn't the, always line the, up for you. After the Eagles, you lost both coordinators, yeah. and you're not as good as you were a year ago. Uh, how about this of Dak Prescott? Give me a Dak Prescott stat. He has dominated the NFC East uh, oh, in his man. career. I mean, they might as well call him dad. He is 31-8 and eight straight up. Daddy. Versus the NFC East. Dad, Daddy, Daddy Dak. Daddy Dak. Uh, and 28-11 and 11 against the spread. He makes money for you. If you're betting on Dak in the NFC versus the NFC East, his 28 and 11 uh, against the spread mark is the second most profitable versus any division foes for any quarterback in the last 20 years. Only Aaron Rodgers versus the NFC North has been more profitable against the spread versus division foes in the last 20 years. He's ahead of Ben Roethlisberger and Tom Brady. TB, TB12. Come on, man. Straight on, cash, Dak. homie. Dak's looking to rewrite his legacy. Change, change the narrative of his career arc, uh, Dak Prescott. Speaking MVP. of uh, career arcs, on the way to the top of the hour, can we play this legendary Mike Leach quote, Rod, as we uh, honor Mike Leach, who passed oh. away on this day, December the 12th, Certainly. one year ago today. We'll come back, get your headlines. Rod will have a rant. Uh, get you the fi- wild finishes in Monday Night Football if you missed them. Also the latest on the Longhorns. But on our way to the top of the hour, our first uh, piece of sound from the legendary Mike Leach. We miss him already. As coaches, we failed to get through to him. As, as coaches, we failed uh, to make our coaching points and our points more compelling than their fat little girlfriends. Now, their fat little girlfriends have some obvious advantages. For one thing, their fat little girlfriends are telling them what they want to hear, which is how great you are and how, uh, how easy it's going to be and how, you know, uh, you know, we had, we had, you know, we had a whole bunch of people. Everybody wanted to win the football game, but nobody wanted to play the football game. Well, I, I mean, that defies every level of uh, work ethic that exists with regard to football. And uh, as coaches, we have to solve our failure on uh, on reaching them, and uh, the players have to listen. And I, I'm willing to go to uh, fairly amazing lengths to try to make that happen. I don't know if I'll be successful this week or not, but. But, you know, I am going to try, and there will be some people inconvenienced. Uh, and if it happens to be their fat little girlfriends, too bad. 